0: Let's Keep It Going, the podcast of Emmaus Church, where we sit down with Pastor Nick to have extended discussion over last week's message, in the hope that it inspires ideas in and around the Emmaus Church community. If you missed last week's message, have a question, or just want to know more about Emmaus Church, you can visit us at www.emmauschurchsc.com. Now, let's keep it going. Hey, fellas. Hey, Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay.
1: It's just the three of us today.
2: It is. We're back. It's been a while.
1: The originals.
2: I wonder if we'll be rusty.
1: (laughs) How was the week off?
2: It was good. I mean, it was full. It's been a full two weeks. A lot going on, but I'm glad to be back at it. Flew by. Flew by. You You had like wedding stuff and... I didn't get married. I already did that.
0: Yeah. But
2: friends, he's still
0: in that friends, season friends of life, stage of life. Where I people feel like are I'm married. still getting married every day, just <laughs> like a constant wedding, the longest wedding of all
1: time.
0: <laughs> that's a good. Me, I mean think that's a best, good thing, right? Yeah, you mean yeah. that in the best kind of way, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, the creed mm-hmm. got me thinking about our icebreaker for today,
3: mm-hmm.
1: because I mean, do you guys actually remember learning it? Like someone sitting down, are you rehearsing, or did you just? like all of a sudden you're 30 40 years old and like it just is you just know it.
0: No, I did we did a different thing. I forgot what it's called. It's just a profession of faith, a, a confession profession of faith.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, so you didn't grow up yeah. stating No, that? I no.
0: Didn't either. No. Oh. We, we we you would say once you've decided to be a Christian you'd be like I believe that Jesus is the Lord, Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. Hmm.
1: So is that a Methodist my, thing? Is that my why? Lord and Savior. See, I don't know. I, I, I don't remember
0: it? knowing the Apostles' Creed until Bible college, what? and maybe even it might have been the Methodist church that I was volunteering I didn't need, in. I need to yeah, ask my a, mom. In Bible college, I learned about the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed.
2: Mm-hmm. I grew up kind of a gypsy though. Like I was a part of non-denominational churches, Baptist church. I was a part of a Methodist church in high school, but mainly the youth group because a pretty girl invited me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But I wasn't like super Methodist. Then, I mean, I can't remember reciting it regularly until huh. either Bible college or that church I was kind of working in volunteering during Bible college.
1: Well, then, well, this is where my icebreaker was headed mm-hmm. because I was thinking back to growing up in the church and like not really uniquely remembering being taught it, but just always knowing it. But I was thinking about some of the, the funny things that happened in uh, youth group. And I know mm-hmm. our Asbury kids all went off mm-hmm. this weekend. So I just, I was reminiscing. Do you guys have a favorite memory hmm. from church or youth group?
2: Man. Got a ton of them. Because I was in youth group, of course, and then I was a youth pastor for years.
1: Oh, I'm sure you have some stories.
2: I remember this there. one. Uh, I was a youth leader at the time. We took the kids to this Christian music festival, Ichthus. I grew up going to it. And it's in Wilmore, Kentucky by Asbury. Uh and this particular year, I mean it's it's huge. It's like the Christian Woodstock. And there's like thirty thousand people there all in this big field camping out, you know, stages and stuff like that. This particular year, like a cell of tornadoes came through out of nowhere. I mean, people are I'll never forget seeing like this wall of wind hmm. just literally coming down and, and tents flying everywhere and we're like all freaking out. Uh huddled up in the back of a bus while it was raining it sounds scary but i remember laughing so much during this like one of our youth leaders out running around in the rain with his shirt off and this is a guy that doesn't normally take a shirt off yeah he had a headlamp on just you know <laughs> trying to rescue kids and
1: i think uh, a headlamp makes the story better yeah, I, I already mean,
2: I, I think back to that i laugh a lot still i remember being huddled in the back of a car eating scarfing down m&ms because we're waiting for the weather to you know chill out mm. that was a fun that was a fun trip
0: I remember going whitewater rafting one time in youth group and like the raft that I was on, I'm pretty sure somebody fell off and almost died.
1: <laughs> there is always one of those. And
0: there's always, there's always that like near, death, near experience death experience for a student <laughs> Oh yeah. or for, I can't, I can't remember if it was a student or an adult. Um, but, and then we went, I remember going caving in that same trip mm-hmm. and that there's like, you go through, all caves have this type of structure or some of them, but it's called like a birth canal. Mm -hmm. It's like the type of where you have to (laughs) squeeze through this really (laughs) tiny hole. And you had two choices. You could either like squeeze through the really tiny hole or hop, skip, like on like hops, this hopscotch of death where like, if you fell, you would die. Mm. And so you could either go this way or you go through the birth canal. And I had a buddy that was just, he was overweight and he could not fit through the birth control. Mm -hmm. And so he birth
2: opt- control, uh,
0: birth control, <laughs> <laughs> birth the birth control, the birth uh, the birth canal, and um, uh, he opted to go across the hopscotch of death, <laughs> and he just like you'd see this this giant man just mm-hmm. like he made it though. Do yeah, you know what
1: that's called? Hopping
0: across this
1: thing. cave exploring, Spelunk- spelunking, that's a Great word, it's cave, great- di- that's cave no, diving. that exploring. is a great
2: word. Did y'all do gross things in youth group like? I remember we had this big piece of gum. Everybody kept adding to it, ew. and like you chew it, or like the or the game where you had to like spit toothpaste into a cup, the, and then the last person had to drink ew. it. Oh, no, yeah. the
1: grossest thing I remember about youth group was the room that we had had the nastiest furniture. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like <laughs> yeah, that's
0: every be. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was the <laughs> leftover of someone yep. else's leftover donation. Um, that's the thing. It, it was green. I, I, I remember it's black that black mold ever, like every probably youth group get
0: ringworm.
2: Yeah,
1: sits
0: in the it. basement of it's probably this whole why I'm church. immune to
1: everything <laughs> these days. Like I'm a pretty healthy person. Oh yeah, black mold. Is that everywhere. couch.
0: Yeah. Youth group stories. Yep, got
2: them. Yep, we got them.
1: All right. Well, what would we think of the message?
2: Yeah, what would we think?
1: Well, I'm I, I got cringy with the the title. I'm glad you talked about that. The the sub. Oh, the, tell me more about the cringe. Um, I was just like, does he mean? Like, are you encouraging the minimalistic, the view, like just do bare minimums, you know? Mm. I was like, oh dear, where are we going mm-hmm. with this? So I'm, yeah. I'm glad you, you addressed that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's not action. It's not what's the least I have to do, <laughs> but what's the the least I can believe. Least
1: I can believe. But you still know? there's something like bare bones about that, that I was like, oh, I,
0: mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Cringe. It It cringed me at first too. Did it cringe you at all? No, because I'm not I'm not like the guy that that's all about doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but he, dude, i I think I pinned you. <laughs>
3: like
2: <laughs> Thomas
1: feels like he's finally <laughs> well, see, this, gotten to the this bottom of my of the, psyche. This is kind
2: of the point though. Like when you believe when you make belief the thing and how complicated and detailed your belief is, a lot of times in my experience, those people rarely get to the doing because they think it's they've done their job. Mm-hmm and and just professing these sort of beliefs it reminds me of this parable Jesus tells about like two brothers. You know, one says to the dad, yeah, I'll get, he, he's leaving and he leaves these assignments he's like, "Yep, I'll get right to it. I'm going to do all of it for you," you know? And the other brother just kind of blows him off but actually gets around to doing it. Mm-hmm. And the first brother doesn't ever do it. And he's like, "Which one which one did right in the father's eyes?" Yeah. Not the one who just said all the right things. Well, you know what I mean?
1: it's interesting you said that because I don't know if this was intentional or if you even realized you did it. But when you started the sermon, you said the creed being a profession of faith. Mm-hmm. And then later when you were talking about um, credos, and, you know, meaning, you know, the heart involved in mm-hmm. that, you said confession. Mm-hmm. And so that I was kind of thinking of the difference between profession and confession and confession brings the heart into it. Like that, yeah. that's profession yep. just involves your, your mouth and, yep. and, and, and saying it.
3: Mhm.
2: Well, we think of confession as just admitting your sin.
1: No, I don't.
2: Yeah. Well, it's not. I mean, the word liter and the Greek literally means to say the same thing. So it's to bring alignment. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Like, like did you realize you did that?
2: Yeah. I mean, they're kind of synonyms. I, I bit my tongue right there. They're kind of synonyms, though. But Profession I don't care. And confession.
1: That's like.
0: What's the difference between a professor and a confessor?
1: What? Huh? Is there a confessor? A
0: confessor?
2: This, this could be interesting. Are, are, they, are they audience? Are they kind of synonyms? I mean, I send us
0: your questions.
2: To your profess answers. your faith is different than to confess your faith?
1: I don't know. I feel like confess takes it a step further.
2: Hmm. Okay. How?
1: Because if you profess it, it's, it's just a statement. Uh-huh. But confessing it, I feel...
0: When you say, I confess, do you say, I confess my love, or do you say, I profess my love? So, I like, don't know if I my think love is I, like Tom Cruise, I love this woman, yeah. and set like jumping on the couch. And then, confess is like, I have to admit something to you. Like, it's more intimate. It's more, yeah.
1: Can we do it's a it's Google more search? I feel like. Can I Google
2: I, I think Google they're pretty, There, there's of course going to be some nuanced difference between the two up. words. We're looking at But it. I think they, they live in the same yeah, neighborhood. I would... pull that up? I would say they're neighbors. Those words are neighbors.
1: All right. We'll have to do a deep dive on Okay.
2: The yeah. There you go. Give us your feedback, audience. What's the difference between professing something and confessing it? Mm-hmm. And is that difference significant? Hmm. So you got hung up on that. What else? What are you, what are you still thinking about? What are you Well, chewing on, as I, we like
1: um, to say? Well, now I wonder. So when I stand and say the creed mm-hmm. when we do it now. You know, like I feel there's something unifying about it because I would say most people who grew up in the church don't need to use the screen anymore, we mm-hmm. know it. And there's something unifying in the history of all that. But I also feel, especially when you get down the liturgical lane, it can be exclusionary to people who didn't mm-hmm. grow up in the church. And so I feel, you know, we've talked about this as a staff, like the balance of, of, of liturgy. Mm-hmm. In service. So I'm hopeful, like, after this series is what yeah. I'm looking forward to the most, that everyone can now sure. kind of bring in yeah. their understanding. And it unifies probably in a different sense than I ever
3: yeah. thought before.
2: I did not feel alienated or excluded. Because remember, I came onto it late. Yeah. Uh, it was so grounding for me. It was like uh, I grew up in a lot of that non-denominational worship contemporary worship band mm-hmm. which the the relational quality of that was really cool and beautiful, you know, that I could feel like I, you know, personal relationship with God. And mm-hmm. it was very warm, you know, but it also felt kind of like uh, it wasn't solid either. Like there was is missing some like some stability, you know, and something about the creed connecting us to not just a new music trend in worship. You know, but connecting us to something that's been there for 2,000 years, that yeah. was really neat for me. It was like, yeah, huh? Like this isn't just about us and because and, the contemporary worship, you know, kind of thing was all about you and your style of worship, about me and my style. This was like bigger than me. The creed is like, this is what people who have identified as Jesus followers have professed for a very long time. It's not just about you. You know, it's yeah. not about you and your preference. It's about right. something that's endured preference. When contemporary worship has gone out of style, the creed will still be it, there. Does mm-hmm. that make
0: sense? I took the sentence, what's the least I can believe and still be a Christian. I took that and, and really broke it down and really thought about literally like what's the least, like what's, what's the core of what it means to be a Jesus follower, what it means to be a Christian. And like the idea of needing help uh-huh. came up like the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian could be like one admits that they need help like the idea of needing a savior um I think there's a lot of Christians that say that they're a Christian and aren't really Christian uh-huh. they pretend they're they're a Christian because they like this idea is like like Jesus is my help I don't mean uh-huh. like they don't even like I feel like people in the recovery community are uh-huh. like steps ahead of a lot of Christians out here because their first step is admitting that they need help. Mm-hmm. And like, just in general, like, I think that that's a really like visceral feeling. Um, and there's a lot of Christians that use need like Jesus is my help. Mm-hmm. Or a guy rely on God as like a scapegoat to allowing themselves to be self sufficient mm-hmm. to not need anybody's help to act that way to act like they're above mm-hmm. needing help. Um, I know a lot of people that have difficulties asking for help me included. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like that that's like at the core of this necessity for aid is Hmm. like at the core of being a Christian, this, this, like this, this asking for Mm -hmm. like safety or not safety, but like, like rescue. Um, yeah, I think is, is important.
2: I've just, I've seen, this has been my experience seminary bible college in that kind of world that people can get so fixated on extra details you know and they end up building an entire theology around an extra so like there are things that i think are essential to the faith which i think the creed does a good job mm-hmm. of expressing some of it a lot of it, i think there's some i wish i wish said more about in the creed i'll get to that in a few weeks but like those are like the building blocks, you know, things that we probably need to all agree on to be Christian. Yeah. You know, everything else, there's all sorts of other things that you can wade into and have opinions about, right? you know what I mean? But they shouldn't be the thing you build your whole theology around. And I've seen branches of Christianity that will do that. They'll take a, they'll take what I think is sort of a detail or an extra and they'll build an entire uh, way of practicing their faith around it. instance, like, for instance, people that sometimes are in the extreme parts of the reform tradition, Calvinist, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, they take a particular belief about God's sovereignty. So God's sovereignty is how does God work in the world? You know, and there's kind of this long conversation around f- the difference between free will and God's sovereignty. Like mm-hmm. does, how does God cause everything to happen? How much does God cause to happen? How, how, you know, involved is God in all of this. Well, the most extreme sides of Reformed theology will take this very extreme understanding of God's sovereignty and that nothing happens in the world apart from God's direct will. Mm-hmm. And they build an entire theology. around. Right? They understand the cross through that lens. They understand. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it lands in places that that end up looking nothing like Jesus.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like they have a thing called double predestination, which means that God not only predestines who goes to heaven, but who also burns in hell before a person is born. They have no say in it whatsoever. Uh, your child, you could love your child, but that baby might be predestined for hell. And there's nothing you can do about it. And I'm like, what? Like, how do you or they look at horrible things that happen in the world, human trafficking or whatever. And they say that is the perfect, to do it. That is the perfect will of God. And I'm like, that looks nothing like Jesus. Yeah. So that's an example of taking an extra.
1: Where do you think the disconnect comes from? Like, wh- how, do, how do people get down that path?
2: and and wow we could spend forever on this like i think what happens for that that particular what i would call a mutation actually comes from taking a worldly understanding of power and cool. control and projecting that onto God,
1: mm-hmm.
2: instead of allowing the revelation of Jesus to totally redefine how we think about power and control. Yeah,
1: yeah. Because th- I was going to say a human power dynamic is yeah.
2: really ask anybody off the street, secular worldview. What's what is? How do you know when somebody has power and they're they're in control? What do they look like? They're calling the shots. Mm-hmm. They everything happens because they make it happen. Like they have they have say that complete say so over everything. That's how we tend to think of power. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy at the top. The but you look at the gospels and Jesus completely undercuts and undermines that way of thinking about power, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so I think it's an example of projecting our own kind of natural secular way of thinking about something onto God instead of allowing God to sort of disrupt and dismantle it.
3: Mm -hmm. I
0: I feel like that's why the church nowadays, like the evangelical church looks so much like the 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 temple Mm -hmm. the the um i always forget the word i need you to help me who are the people the church leader the the, pharisees pharisees and sadducees like they like that idea of of being so strict to law and what they think they believe Mm -hmm. and what they think they know about uh the scriptures the text and and what it means to be jewish in that time Mm -hmm. like they it looks so much like what maybe maybe different things, but the action is still the same because we've not gotten over uh, ourselves Mm -hmm. and this idea of power. We've not, because Jesus, that idea of power is flipped, the upside Mm downness of Jesus, but we still can't help ourselves to Mm -hmm. enact these ideas of power because that's all, I feel like that's, it's, it's, it's per, it constantly perpetuates itself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, And what you're saying is the, the creed should bring us our checks and balance then.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, or at least, at least the, again, I have no problem with waiting in. I have, I have lots of opinions about extras and details that mm-hmm. have become quite meaningful to me. Sure. I just don't want to build my whole theology mm-hmm. around a detail, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. or an extra. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to build a whole theology around a very specific understanding of God's sovereignty instead i want to build a thought theology around hey god's at work in the world in ways that i don't always think you know i understand completely but i'm going to, i'm going the part that i'm going to affirm and build my whole life, build my life around is the fact that god's involved you know i'm going to leave breathing room around how god is involved you know yeah um and so i think the creed helps us come back to that is to say these are the things that i can be sure of you know i mean that i can have some Anything close to certainty around. Everything else, I'm going to kind of probably hold loosely. Mm-hmm. When you start holding it too tightly, you end up making God into your own image.
3: hmm
2: You know, so God God looks like how I want God to look. Yeah. Um And we, we end up interpreting things in some really wacky ways that lead, in my opinion, to really big... Um, contradictions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm fine with gray, but I also got to sometimes, there are real, there are real th- such things as contradictions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I acknowledge mm-hmm. not everything's black and white, but like telling me a God, a, a picture of a God who willfully dies for their enemies, forgiving them, juxtaposed to a God who intentionally sends people to hell yeah. for no, no fault of their own, but just because he can, those look like two very different understandings of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think we
0: do that for with everything. The idea of like we care too much about the how over the what, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like we attribute like we project that onto politics as well. Mm-hmm. Like we start caring more about like I feel like if if it's if the if it's a bi if we're talking about it as a binary, like both sides believe that like this issue is an issue and it should be fixed. But we get so we get so obsessed with how it needs to be fixed that now it's not even a, it's not even an issue that it is an issue. Mm-hmm. The issue is the how, mm-hmm. and that's why there's so much discourse. Yeah. And I feel like the same thing is true with, with
2: Christianity. Uh, I, I, I mean, I can even be, I can even cut some slack to people who arrive at that real extreme, you know, kind of position mm-hmm. that we talked about, like Calvin, the, the real extreme Calvinist reform, double predestination, I think what's actually drive stuff like that is this desire for explanations. Mm-hmm. Like you look in the world, and you see all these bad things happening, but you also believe in a good God. So how do you how do you hold all that together? Yeah. How do you you know explain that? How do you explain these things? And I think one of the one of the ways to explain it is God's in control, and God's good, and God if that happened, God caused it, and it's good still. You know, mm-hmm. but I think we have to understand that at the heart, faith is not an explanation. It's what we call. We talk about it's confession.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like when it comes to the issue of suffering in the world, what our faith offers us is not a great explanation. I think I think the Christian faith offers a better explanation than most worldviews. But in the end, it's more of a confession. Mm-hmm. Is that, that God's with us in it? Like it's a thing that I'm going to trust. It's not an explanation about why it happened, you know, or how to avoid it or whatever it is. It's more of a confession that I choose to trust. That I'm yeah. not alone in it. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what I mean by it. it's more of a heart thing than a head thing. Right. And so I think sometimes we get off on these wacky down yeah. these r- wacky rabbit trails when we stop looking for just a resource from our faith to help us in the midst of it, and we want to
0: explain
1: mm, it. You know, yeah.
0: we live in our heads more than our hearts. It's mm-hmm. so like it's more about what was what you say? Hmm? What'd you say?
1: More in our heads than our hearts.
2: Yeah. When, when when we get fixated on explanations, we're living in our heads more than our hearts. You know, it's like because here's the thing. Take the, take the issue of suffering. You know, is an explanation really going to help a parent who just lost their child? You know, I mean, this
1: is a recurrent theme of what we talked about in the James. Was it James mm-hmm. series?
2: Well, yeah, about sure attitudes and
1: things like that. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, an explanation for why God didn't answer your prayers, yeah. and that, is that really going to help anyway? You know. Uh, I think the reasons way more complicated than we can even get our heads around. I think what 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 often helps people though is this sense of you're, you're going to find strength well enough within you to walk this out mm-hmm. that you aren't going to be able to explain. You know that's th- that's what faith offers you, mm-hmm. not a crystal. Here's why all of this happened, yeah. and this is mm-hmm. how. No, it's hey, when you need it, strength's going to be there. Mm-hmm. That you you will find the strength you need to endure this, not the clarity to explain it all the mm. time. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I think that's what I'm I'm trying to get at is when we say that faith is more of a heart thing than a head thing. That does not mean we just shut our brains off. I can't stand that either. You know, there are people who read the Bible and they see contradictions and it's like, well, you know, I don't want I don't want to go to them and be like, turn your brain off and just trust your heart. Like, no, there's let's let's wade into this, you know, and and use our brains. But in the end, you're you're always gonna have a gap. You know, you're always going to have a gap between where you are and what you want to know. Does that make sense? Like Mm -hmm. when it comes to, to putting my, to following Jesus, I think there are good logical reasons to believe that he was a real person, performed miracles, died, and actually came back from the dead. I think there are rational, logical, but at the same time, that. They don't answer it fully. They're going to leave me going, well, maybe, you know, like mm-hmm. there's always a gap that mm-hmm. you, you can only get across with faith where I, get, I find you what I'm going to choose to trust it. Mm-hmm. You know, your mind will get you, get you mostly there or it can get you at least halfway there, but then the rest of it is I'm going to choose to trust it. So there's an elephant
0: you know? in the room and faith is not about how we get the elephant out of the room. It's admitting that there's an elephant in the room and it needs to get out.
2: I think I have to sit with that one for a little bit. Uh,
0: me, yeah, me. Yeah. me. <laughs> right. I think so. Yeah. I think There's so. an elephant in the room, everybody. Because sometimes, because because sometimes faith is presented as like this is how you get the elephant in the room, but like you spend your whole life not admitting that there is an elephant in the room, mm-hmm. and so you just you allow this this power dynamic of this person saying like I can help you without you even have to dealing with your issue. Mm -hmm. And that, cause this is how you deal with your issue, Mm -hmm. but you never actually deal Mm -hmm. with the issue. You just, you just allow this, I'll just say the prayer, you Mm -hmm. know? And then there's, there's still this elephant in the room.
2: Well, I came across this quote. I shared with a friend of mine because it really spoke to me. I identify and resonate people who have doubt and skepticism, because I do too, you know? But I'm also coming to this place where it's like, my faith anymore is not dependent on like logic and explanations anymore. Mm -hmm. It's much more experiential. Like I'm putting way more weight in experience. And I was taught growing, going through Bible college. You don't, you know, Mm -hmm. experience is like the caboose, you know, you got to put in, but I'm like, for me, it feels like the only thing that doesn't get, it doesn't shake. Like I have these moments, these encounters with God, or I think about who I am when I practice my faith and the Mm -hmm. fruit it produces in my life. That's something I cannot deny. I am a better me, you know, when I practice my faith than when I don't. Mm -hmm. That is way more convincing than somebody trying to give me all these proofs and arguments to my questions. Right. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that because I was like, I like that concept of being comfortable in that gap. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but also welcoming, you know, the questions (laughs) and the skepticism, but not because you're expecting complete answers. Right. Like you're, you can to learn to be mature enough to live in a gap with questions that possibly will go unanswered,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, that's, yeah. that would be the goal.
2: Right. Well, think about the next, the first tenant we're going to get into or conviction we're going to get into with the creed, God, the father, Almighty. I believe in God, the father, almighty maker of the heaven and earth.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: What are you affirming in that conviction? You're affirming that the world was not an accident. It was mm-hmm. created on purpose and with intention by a God who, is loving towards it to mm-hmm. so like the God you're not only are you believing that there's a God, but this God created things with intention and purpose and is benevolent mm-hmm. is, is like on your side. What's good for you. Right. I could spend all Sunday trying to argue people into here's why you should believe in God. Right. Mm-hmm. I think more, which I, I think I will do some of that, but I think the more compelling question is who are you when you trust this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine your life you know you can either go there's much more than two paths but let's just take two for for now there is no god or everything's just a cosmic accident there's no intention or purpose for our lives we're just here and we just got to survive and just got to make it you know and nobody's there helping us mm-hmm. right versus i believe i believe that there is somebody with us who has good intentions for us there's purpose for my life and meaning i'm not just here to mm-hmm. eat sleep reproduce and die but to make contributions mm-hmm. um b- when you consider the fruit of a life lived in either one of those directions, which would you prefer?
3: Right.
2: Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most compelling evidence we have mm-hmm. for whether or not this faith is worth trusting, trusting. And Jesus said it, you recognize wisdom by its fruit. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. you want to know if it's wise What kind of fruit does it produce? Mm-hmm. You know,
0: I was just, I was just remi- reminded of this speaking of elephants. I was just reminded of this thing. Um, I was in this ethics class in college and we were just talking about, we were talking about belief. We were talking about how the world works. And I can't remember who said this, but it was a story about how, like back in the day, long time ago, um, the idea was the way the the universe sat on top. I don't know which religion or belief this is a part of. But the world or the or the universe is sits on top of a giant elephant. Mm-hmm. Like that's.
2: What is it a turtle?
0: A turtle, a turtle or a yeah, turtle. A turtle. Is I think it's either elephant. Or, I heard of elephants, but but turtle. So let's mm-hmm. do turtle. I'm gonna do turtle because that's probably right because mm-hmm. you're smarter than me. Sure it's turtle. Um, so like the idea is the universe sits on a, on the back of a giant turtle, and then somebody asks the question. It's like, well, what's underneath the turtle? And the person says, it's turtles all the way down, all the way down. And so so they. <laughs> <laughs> it's turtles all the way down just, i heard i heard elephants so it's elephants all the way down but it's like this idea that like you're not gonna get to solid ground like belief is mm. is constantly mm. shaking it's it's shaky ground all the way down well, yeah
2: i mean you think about it when it comes to existence which to me is the i'm really nerding out here this is like letting it out like I cannot get over the fact that we're just here.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like I really can't. You've
1: mentioned it you a ah,
2: few. I mean, I just sit there and I think about like, you know, even if you, I, I love the 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 explanation of the Big Bang, you know, that everything was compact in a tiny little particle that just, well, where'd the particle come from?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, where did it, where did it come Where What, what was there before? Whether you end up landing on God or not, it's still amazing Mm -hmm. to consider the fact that we're here, you know, Mm -hmm. and things exploded in such a way and at such a speed Mm -hmm. that our particular planet landed where it did and cooled the way that it did. And now we're here to have a, we've created microphones and we're having a, that blows my stinking mind. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But when it, when it comes to explanation of origin, why are we here? Why is there something rather than nothing You're either left with believing in a infinite creation, a creator, or infinite stuff. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. That
2: stuff has just kind of always been here. You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. how it's always been. Nothing brought into existence, or you're left, or you have to have the hard time of believing there's just been an infinite creator that nobody created. Both of those are really hard to get your mind Mm -hmm. around, but one seems more plausible to me than the other.
0: Yeah, you know. You'd think if if the whole point was for you to go to this building where one guy can help you make sense out of nonsense, it would be more sensical for God to just save you your 10% of your income and
1: and <laughs> just make it, make
0: it make sense. You know, right. like, like why do like, and that proves that it's not about making sense of and, mm. and it, making sense of it. Like not in the end. I
2: don't want to, I don't want to act like there's no room for There's there's real gifts and reason and logic and thinking through things and 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 even having questions and doubt and skepticism, yes. But like it's still gonna leave you. It's not gonna get you there the whole way. Mm -hmm. You're gonna have to take a leap. You're always gonna have to take a leap. And for me, the best I mean, the best leap is who am I if I trust this?
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Mm. You know, like who who will I be if I believe this and live this out? You know? Yeah. That's, That's what I got.
1: Well, I had a little sticking point I wanted to talk about. Okay. Um, if, if we're saying that the Apostles' Creed is the concise, you know, summarized convictions, building blocks, mm-hmm. it, 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 to me, it does not include action. Mm-hmm. Like, prayer is not included. Uh, being good to people, uh, being kind, mm-hmm. being good neighbors. Like, so how do you not consider that? Uh, a layer. I mean, Mm -hmm. I definitely think it would be an essential layer, but Mm -hmm. it's not included in your bare minimum conviction set there in the creed. Does that question make sense?
2: Yes, but I, I disagree. Um, this is a statement of convictions of what you believe about, you know, how things work, um, who God is. And I think there's a lot buried in them. I mean, you know, when you say you brought up the idea, it doesn't say to pray. Well, the first conviction is we believe in a personal God. You believe in a creator God who is father is personal, that's relational. How do you interact with a relational God? You pray. Again, that is, that is your, that's how you, 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 if you really believe that God is personal and not just some indifferent force or cosmic, mm-hmm. then you would do what you do with persons with God, okay. does that make sense? Yeah. Like anybody you are in a relationship with, you do what you communicate with him, mm-hmm. right? Prayer is essentially communication with God. So I think it implies if I believe that behind all of this is a God who uh, is personal and relational, which I think the firm, which I think the creed affirms. You know,
3: okay.
2: it doesn't say I believe in uh, collective consciousness and the being, the ground of our being, and like very it's a very personal language mm-hmm. in the creed. I believe in God the Father maker of the heavens and the earth, right? It implies relational person. So if I believe that, that's really my conviction, and that should show up in how I interact and relate to God. Okay. Which I think flows, I should be a person who prays.
3: Okay.
2: If I really believe that. Uh, loving your neighbor. I mean, creed affirms. I believe uh, in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. What does it mean to so affirm he, Jesus is Lord?
1: Then you get down that hole. He,
2: he calls the shots. Yeah. If I affirm Jesus is Lord, then that means how he says I should live is how I actually live.
0: Does that make sense? Believing I, believing in these things compels you sure, I'm, to I'm, do these things. Yeah.
1: I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. But if if we're saying that these are your building blocks and we're taking away layers... There's still some layers within the building block itself to get down these paths.
2: Well, the layers we're taking off are are related to convictions. I think the thing we always have to wrestle with then is, this is my conviction. Then how should I? What should I do with it? You know, and it's not always going to be the same in every situation. Like, yeah. but I can't tell you how many times, man, this conviction of a God who's with me and, you know, whether it's the affirmation of Creator God, Father, Holy Spirit, whatever, man, when we were planting the church. You know, it's like, I had all this fear, practical fear of like, really? You know, uh, provision, all this kind of stuff. But there are several times I had to go, wait, 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 what do you believe? Mm-hmm. What, what is your real conviction here?
3: Mm-hmm. There's
2: a God that, so in that moment, my conviction inspired and motivated my action. Which, convi- if convictions don't motivate your action, then they're not your real convictions. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's what that, that's what I think could be helpful with this series for a lot of us is like, we have professed convictions and we have real ones Mm -hmm. you know if i truly affirm jesus is lord then what he said about how i should live should actually show up in how i live otherwise i really don't believe that he's lord Mm -hmm. that's the honest truth you know um does that make sense yeah so we're not peeling off a layer that has to do with actions I think we're getting sure. clear that on the, is. clear on what the actual convictions are
3: mm-hmm.
2: and maybe getting rid of some of them that aren't there, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then we have to sit with and I want to do that each week. I to, okay. This is our conviction. Then what are some actions and responses that should flow out of it? You know, uh, does that make sense? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's great though. I never, I never want to like turn this into just think this isn't just thinking
3: mm-hmm.
2: convictions get in your bones. Mm. You know, convictions influence your your action particularly when that's why I like the word conviction.
3: Because
2: mm-hmm. I think it it communicates that. What do you do particularly when it's hard? What do you do particularly when you don't want to or you're not sure? I think convictions really rise up then.
3: Right. Does
2: that make does that make sense? I
3: okay. agree. Hmm. I'm
0: trying to think about like actions as a Actions as a conviction. Like there are some some faith practices where like the action void of the belief behind it is still a proper conviction. Mm-hmm. Like, like if it is prayer or communion every week, or I don't even or just like giving, like just blind giving to something, mm-hmm. like without the conviction of why you're giving to something I feel like isn't mm-hmm. necessarily always virtuous, but I can't think of like, like what's because you're wondering about actions in terms of like almost like they're a part of the conviction, right? So,
1: like, like I, if you asked me my list of personal convictions, I would have some action steps in that,
2: right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think that's that that is more about I think actions are a part of convictions. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a conviction unless it has action with it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I think that's no, the agree That's completely. the difference. Because then it's just it's just a difference between professed belief and actual belief. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't like I don't want this to think it's about finding people out. Like
3: mm-hmm. you know,
2: the goal is integration.
3: Yeah. And
2: I think what most of us would find is that we're not as integrated as we want to be.
3: Mm.
2: You know, like I believe in forgiveness. You know, like I think forgiveness is, man, yes. Do I live that way? Probably not as often as I'd like. And so this is a chance for us to become more integrated, you know, and even recognize like, man, I'm not as true to these as I want to be. Help me, you know, mm-hmm. and, and thinking them through and even prayer, pr- praying it through. Like we, we kind of suggested as an action step for this week is like pray through, the, you know, the, the Apostles' Creed. I think that it could lead you to more integration, Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm a person who says you should love your enemy. How am I doing with that? Right. You know, Yeah. I got a question, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know, part of like the, the, my motivation for this series is talking to that third group. Remember Mm -hmm. the three different groups that are probably the tired group, the ones that are like, you know, is this still for me? Mm -hmm. Here's my question. And thinking about them, we hear a lot these days about all the reasons people have for leaving Mm -hmm. the church, leaving the faith, right? And that's fine. Like, okay, I'm not afraid of that. But I think we, I think, I don't want that to be the only story out there.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. So I'm just curious, like you guys, you know, what are your reasons for staying? Like what keeps you in the faith, following Jesus, despite all of the reasons we're presented with, you know, to leave.
3: Yeah.
0: Mine's very, uh, what do you call it when it's like very potent or very, maybe it is potent, like very potent. potent. Mm-hmm. It's very, for me, it's like strong, strong, strong. So like I've asked that, well, I've, I've, I've thought about that. And like, it's always been that and when Jesus, I think it's after Jesus feeds the the five thousand people, or it's a different time. I'm bad at this, but it's like um, he gathers a multitude of people, and I think he does feed the five thousand, and then they're 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 primed, ready to go. And Jesus says like something crazy, like eat my body and drink my blood. Mm-hmm. They want to
2: make him king by force, you know.
0: And and he says he says this crazy stuff. And they're like, deuces! I'm out. And like everyone leaves, everyone ab- abandons his ministry except for the original twelve, at this one one point. Mm-hmm. And he looks at the disciples and he's like, "Are you going to leave too? Are you guys done?" And Peter goes, well, "Where else would we go?" Huh. You know. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like you you put so much invest you put not investment that's a bad word but you put so much heart and strength and effort and belief into something and like i just don't think and i'm not saying to just stay because you've put work into it but like i've seen the beauty and i recognize the beauty and i um i've compartmentalized the bad stuff and and attribute it to people and like i don't attribute it to god i don't have i'm not hung up by being i've I've not I'm not hung up on like being, you know, ostracized or excommunicated from one faith body and that just means the church sucks and so mm-hmm. I'm never coming to church again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I I've I've I understand it. I get it and I've accepted it and I've reconciled with it. And so like this the temptation's always there to just be like hey, just much easier just to live my life. Mm-hmm. But like at the same time like what else like what would substitute it? And I just can't mm-hmm. like, it's, it's just too, it's too good for mm-hmm. me. Like mm-hmm. the, the best parts about faith and Christianity and mm-hmm. the good it does. And the, the way Jesus works in my life through not only the, the spiritual, but also the rational and the, the, yeah. you know, it. like where else would I go? Mm-hmm. So
1: something you said during the sermon kind of hit the nail on the head for this the answer to this question is you know faith or church shouldn't smother you. it should give you life. Mm-hmm. And I have found like I mean I may you know being on staff at a church definitely lends to you guys to us seeing the amazing fruit from people's beliefs and the amazing fruit from people just being good people to one another. So I mean that that definitely keeps me being a Jesus follower. I think I get. I think I just delineate between. You know, there's churches mm-hmm. that cause a lot of what, you know, mm-hmm. cause people to leave.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But being a Jesus follower, I think you even touched on this too. It's mm-hmm. been very rarely about Jesus.
3: Mm-hmm. When so, they when they hurt people, right? Yeah.
1: So I just I just truly stay grounded in in my understanding of Jesus mm-hmm. and. That's what keeps me yep. here, but um, I think we've all mentioned the Holy Post hmm. a few times. The podcast, the Holy Post. Their next three or four weeks are interviews with people who, uh, and they're public figures, authors, mm-hmm. singers, authors, writers, whatever, who have uh, been ostracized because of taking a stand or contrary belief, and and so their interview question. The the tagline of the series is, "Why are you still a Christian?" Hmm. Hmm. So that
0: could be good
2: homework
1: for people. Yeah, it is really good. Yeah, the first one was yesterday.
0: Can I can I interject real quick? Like, I think what I I don't want anyone hearing this who has who they have deconstructed and they have left the church or they're kind of burnt out by church. I don't want people to hear me and what I say or what we all say about it and be like, like we're better than them, like or they didn't have a good reason to leave or Mm -hmm. they don't have a good reason to be in the place that they are. I feel like, I mean, I affirm their story and I I understand and I empathize with it. And I totally understand that if I probably didn't work for a church and this is how I make like a living in most sense, like I might have followed that same, Mm -hmm. that same path and deconstructed by not attending or deconstructed by not, uh, being a part of uh, of a church community for a time um, i just i think i had since i work for a church i had to do that work that deconstruction work while still going to mm-hmm. church <laughs> and so i totally recognize that and i totally acknowledge that um i just wanted to be clear i didn't want anyone to to hear what yeah, we were saying and nah. be like oh they're better than us cuz they well
2: obviously for whoever people most people who are listening to this are trying our stay are stay are engaged, mm-hmm. connected somehow. They're not throwing it all out. But I think recognizing we've all been there. Mm-hmm. I mean I've been there. I mean I'll be honest with you, Planning the church. I wasn't sure that's a weird thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you're planning a church and you're not really sure you believe in it anymore. Mm-hmm. Man, that was that was that was weird. Um so we've been there, you know. I think you both have kind of spoke to it. I've got tons, I got lots of reasons now. Um But it's like, I don't, I don't, I have not found a more beautiful conception of God, humanity, and the hope for the world than I find in Jesus. I just haven't found it, you know. Uh, And even to the point where I recognize the church has done a lot of awful things. And when we critique the church, we have to appeal to Christian ethics to do so. Mm -hmm. That's something there. You know, like I I think we have such a, we, we have a hard time getting our heads around how radical, the movement was and how much it changed things. Like think of things like humility and kindness were not virtues until the church made them virtues till Jesus made them virtues, you know? And so even when we, when we critique the church, we have to appeal to Christian virtues to do so. And when the church gets it wrong, it's not because they're following Jesus, but they're, they're kind of going just the normal secular way of the world, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so my fear for some of us who think, you know, if I leave, I'll get. If I leave the church, I'll get away from all the bad. There's no bad out there in the world. That's where all the good people are. You know, mm-hmm. you get away from the church, what you often find is you still find ego and greed, and you find all of that stuff. But you don't find what you need to check all that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, uh, I think the other side of that's true too. I can't stand sometimes when Christians act like there's no good out there in the world. The only good's here in the church. That's not true. Mm-hmm. There are beautiful humans out there doing amazing things that look very much like Jesus. Who don't identify who don't as promise, Christian, yeah. you know? But I think the opposite of that, though, is true, too. I got people who think, man, if I just, once I get out of the church and get away from all these people, then I'll get away from all the bad stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. No. I know I know friends who've kind of left and they're, they're doing like, they go to these, um, it's like atheist churches now, yeah, you know? And they they come back and they're like, well, I thought ego was bad in the church. It's even worse here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's ego and narcissism, and, but you, then you don't have the ethic, though, there. To say, hey, that's not, that's wrong. Mm. You know what I mean? That's not, there's a better way to do it. Like, you don't have that there anymore. You know, so I just, I don't, I relate to what you said. Where else would I go? Yeah. You know, like th- this vision that I find in our faith for God, us, each other, the world, man, it's worth giving my life to,
0: period, you know? Because I feel like if just stopping it, it, it would feel like muscle death. I've been super into watching House, like the show House. The, oh, the doctor the doctor and like there's so many different episodes where like there's th- like the muscle muscles die mm-hmm. you know and you they just start decomposing mm-hmm. and you have to amputate and like I feel like my faith or my belief system if I just said I'm I'm pulling out of this whole Christian thing there'd be a part of my psyche part of my soul mm-hmm. that it would be akin to muscle death where like I would try to work it out on my own I would try to figure it out on my own but it, like I'd I don't see anything comparable to mm-hmm. go there. It, it would it would seem uncomfortable in a way, and I feel like that part of myself would just, like, die yeah. a slow death, yeah. and it just sounds awful.
2: Well, action steps. I think people should check out the new Deeper Dive mm-hmm. this week, uh, the resource. Mm-hmm. You can find it on the app under resources,
0: the tab, or you can go to the website. Uh, Church. com slash grow.
2: Grow. But there's, I, th- I think there's some really great questions and even encouraged activity practice that I think will help um, help us g- get this into our lives, you know, um, everything from you summarizing the convic- convictions of the creed in your own words, just kind of thinking through that, you mm-hmm. know, g- g- get ahead of us here, um, to coming up with the reasons why you stay. It can be good for everybody to think about, but the, in the end... I think it'd be awesome for all of us just to find time every day this week to pray our way through the creed and just to consider what does it mean to be a person who trusts this, who really Mm -hmm. trusts this. You know, I think I would be good stuff for us to do this week. You?
1: Yeah. You want to pray for us?
2: Yeah. Let's do it. Hmm. God, I think the heart behind this conversation series is um, we don't want to actually get lost in the weeds. We don't want to be people who get so caught up in particulars that end up being distractions. We want to be people who,
3: um,
2: who are true to the deepest convictions you call us to in our actual real lives. We want to be people who live, um, who live the creed, um, particularly when things are hard and we're not sure what to do. That we would. Our, our go-to, our fallback would be to stop and think: What does it mean to be a Jesus follower? What does a Jesus follower do in these moments? That's that's what we really want—not to just answer all of our questions and have all of our doubts, you know, taken away, but to be people who who trust you and who live like they trust you. And so, I just pray that you take this conversation in this series and use it to to shape us into those kind of people. We're going to trust you to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Amen. Amen.